Good morning. It is, I am grateful to see every one of you here this morning. I really am. I am grateful uh, each week that I get to worship with you, my family here in Blissville, Michigan. And uh, I just appreciate each and every one of you, okay? Hopefully, um, this week, you know, uh, we celebrated, th- hopefully, well, you know, we celebrated uh, Thanksgiving this week. Hopefully everyone did, right? Uh, but Thanksgiving is one of those days where uh, hopefully we give back thanks to God. You know, we kind of, we take a moment and we, and we just kind of recognize, hey, you know, the things that we're thankful for. Um, and so I don't know about you, but, you know, that's kind of like what we do uh, as we, before we eat and pray, we talk about, you know, just for a few moments and then, uh, and then we, and then we have our meal or whatever, but I hope that um, you guys do that. But and today, what I want to do is, before as we transition into Christmas season, I just want to spend a few moments. I want to talk about being grateful. I want to talk about being thankful. And instead of it being just something we kind of do on Thanksgiving Day, where we pause and we reflect and we say, you know what, I'm very thankful for for you, or I'm thankful for how God has blessed me with these, you know, um, with these blessings in my life. You know, what would that look like if that was if that characterized our lives? Where we were individuals who just oozed out gratitude and thankfulness. And, and, and I, um, so, uh, uh, came across the message and I, I wanna, it just really kinda touched me and I love the point, I love the perspective and I wanna share it with you because it, it really, it really touched, it, it touches me and I just wanna, I just, I think, I think it's something that it's so easy for us, um, to forget, you know, and, and, um, not that we're not thankful but it's easy to take things for granted, okay? Uh, before we get started, though, I just want to give a huge shout out to the Wilford family. Uh, they typically sit back here and on this side, and they had their baby Jeremiah, Aaron Wilford. Um, I got, to, and this was on Wednesday. Okay, I got a text from from Dad, right? Uh, and it said, um, it said, just wanted to let you know that uh, we had our baby Jeremiah. I, I had been asking them like every week. I'm like, I know you're due. Is what, you're still here? Okay, you know. Anyhow, uh, and they said, we'll let you know. So, Jeremiah Aaron Wolfert, uh, was born yesterday, which would have been Wednesday. He said he was a big boy, 10 pounds, 12 ounces, and 23 and a half inches long. Our stay was short, so we didn't want to bother you on this holiday. We got home this afternoon. So they got home like, what? The next, it's like they were there like overnight. That's kind of, it's just interesting. And if you want to see, there's a picture. Can you see that? Figured you'd enjoy that, right? Yeah. And with that, we're done for the day. So, no. So anyhow, it's just things to be thankful for. We've been having a lot of babies here. It's really, I'm thankful for that. It's very exciting. It's life. It's new life. It's young people. It's impressionable people. It's, it's young families coming and, and, and we're worshiping together, cross-generational. And to me, that's very exciting. What would our lives look like, though, if we were, like, very, very grateful? And some of you are very, very grateful. Some of us... It's, we're, we're grateful, but, but, but we kind of forget. We kind of, we kind of just kind of slip into that mode. It's easy to, right? Colossians 2 7 says this. He says, let your lives overflow. Paul says, let your lives overflow with thanksgiving for all that he has done. Let our lives overflow with thanksgiving, uh, with thanksgiving for all that God has done. Have you ever stopped and just reflected within your life what God has done for you? 
What the blessings that God has blessed you with, the, the, you know, where your life has been, where your journey has taken you. Some of us may have a journey that's kind of dark on one, one end of it, but yet God redeemed us. God saved us. God has brought us through, uh, these, the, these incredible moments in time and things like that. And our lives are vastly different now. And we look back and we just thank God. We're like, man, I'm so thankful that God saved me. Some of us, we were, we thank God. We may not have a, a, a horrendous dark past. But we recognize that God blessed us, for some reason blessed us, with a family that raised us in the faith, you know. And, and, and we, and we stop and we think about, wow, that's, that's so, that's so powerful and overwhelming that God, that I was able to be raised in a family that taught me very young. And so, you know, we, we can have all types of different things that we're thankful for, but, but just stopping and letting our lives overflow with thanksgiving for all that God has done. Is there ever a point to where we could say, I'm tapped. I've already given all the thanks to God. You know, it's, I'm good. You know, God, I've reached it. You know, I mean, God is just so, so powerful. And so I just want to talk about that. And I want to share with you a particular passage in scripture that we're going to take a look at. But the first thing, and, and, and it's, we're going to build this sentence is what it is. And it's from a passage in Ephesians, but I don't want to get to the completion of it. I want to take it and, and dissect it apart for a few moments. But the first part of it, it says this, and this all talks about grace. This all talks about being thankful is the first part of that. When the grace flows in, when the grace flows in, how many of us could stop and say, I truly understand what grace is. Some of us reflect on it intentionally. Some of you that have been walking this life and some of you now understand, you reflect, you stop, you think about it, and you think about grace. And you think about how it's so undeserving. You think about that regardless of how good you've lived your life, it doesn't really matter per se. It's not that it's a bad thing to live a good life, correct? But when it comes down to earning God's favor, earning God's love, there's not a single person that can say, I deserve God's grace. God's grace is so powerful. God's grace is so overwhelming. It's something that I think if we truly dwell on it, it blows our minds because we think about it and we're like, there's no way that, that, I, that I could even be in this position without the grace of God. God looks at us as, as His children. If, if we have a saving relationship with God, He looks at us through the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ, that sacrifice we just sang about, where we say, I sacrifice my life. I'm giving my life because, God, this I'm receiving this incredible invitation to be a part of Your family. And when you think about it now, when God looks at us, He looks at us through the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. That is so significant. Some will say, well, you know, I know people that are really good people. If they don't have the blood of Jesus Christ in them or over them, it doesn't matter how good they are. Some would say, well, I know people that are so good. They're good. They're even gooder. How about that? They're even gooder than some of the people that go to church. And I would agree with you. But at the end of the day, when God compares anybody to His Son, Jesus Christ, the righteousness of Himself? Guys, we all come up short, man. <laughs> Vastly short. It doesn't matter how good you are. What matters is that you've received the grace, this beautiful gift of God who gives us this, this incredible gift of grace that we don't deserve. Listen to this. 1995. I love this illustration, kind of. In 1995, during the baseball season, if you're a baseball fan... The New York Yankees was leading, and they were doing an awesome job. 
okay? We were on our way for another championship. However, if you remember, 1995 is when the big baseball strike happened, okay? Now, what's so big about that? I don't really like baseball, you might say. Well, just think about this for a second. The owners sat down and they said, are we going to go head-to-head or are we not? They chose to go head-to-head with the contract players who wanted more money. So the contract players set out. You know what the owners did? Does anybody remember the story? The owners went and they just got a bunch of people to play baseball. They got regular people like you and I to play baseball. Now, I don't know about you, but that would be a pretty cool dream for me to wear pinstripes and play baseball for the New York Yankees. And I guarantee you one thing, it's never going to be based upon my, upon my capabilities, right? But that's what happened. And in the summer of 1995, these These people that were once coaching Little League or whatever, they were playing ball like the next weekend. Max Lucado writes about this, and I want to share this with you very quickly. He says this, the games weren't fancy, mind you. He said one manager said his pitcher threw the ball so slowly the radar gun couldn't even clock him. That's how slow it was. He said, he goes on to say, but but they had incredible amounts of fun. They arrived before the park was open, oiling their glove, cleaning their cleats. They thanked the attendants for washing their uniforms. They thanked the caterers for food. They thanked fans for paying a dollar to come and watch them. These guys didn't see themselves as a blessing to baseball, but baseball was a blessing to them. In that short season, the Phillies gave away free hot dogs and sodas. And in the trade of the year, the Cleveland Indians gave five players to the Cincinnati Reds absolutely free. So what made this intriguing? What made it magical? Quite simple. These were all guys who were living a life they didn't deserve. And they were chosen. Not because they were good, but because they were willing. And they knew it. There was not jockeying for position. There was no second-guessing the management, no strikes, no walkouts, no lockouts. These guys didn't even have names on the back of their jerseys, but they were thrilled that they were on the team. You know what grace is? Grace is God looking down and saying, I choose you. I choose each and every one of you to have a saving relationship with me. You don't deserve it. It's not based upon your capabilities. It doesn't matter how good you are. You can't hold a candle to the righteousness of who I am. But I love you. And I'm choosing you. That's powerful. That's grace. And when that concept flows in our lives, incredible things happen. Especially if we're people that can recognize it. That can stop and truly recognize it. Some people may have a hard time recognizing it because they feel like we have to work for that. We don't deserve it. Hey, great, you just mastered it. You're correct. You don't deserve it. But you don't have to work for it. There's no way you can work for it. Bound up in God's nature is he He, he gives us these good things and these grace, these grace gifts are undeserving to his people. Isaiah 30, 18 says this, Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. He rises to show you companion, companionship, companion, compassion. There we go. Think about it. That's who God is. Think about this concept. Uh, Timothy Keller writes about this when he talks about the Trinity. And he talks about the Trinity, how each and every one, each component of the Trinity, the three, the tri, the, the, the triad of God, how each of them are there to give glory to the next person. 
Okay? The Trinity is about the Holy Spirit giving God the Father glory. Jesus Christ the Son giving God the Father glory. And each and every one of them the same amount of glory and compassion. You want to have a marriage that's off the charts? Take a Trinitarian view of a marriage and where you look at your wife or you look at your husband and you realize this this person is the best thing in my life and I exist to give them my love and glory and compassion. You're telling me that your marriage wouldn't be the most out crazy landish marriage ever because it would be so healthy? That's who God is. God created each and every one of us for what? A relationship? Kind of. But let me introduce you something else to you. Because God is a God of love. Not just that He loves. The Bible says that He is love. It's His essence. He creates you and I to do what? To love us. To literally bestow upon us, to literally shower us with, and lavishly shower us, as Paul writes in Ephesians, lavishly shower us with His blessings. That's who God is. That's how much God loves us. And in the middle of that is what we call a big word called grace. Guys, when we can live in the midst, in the flow of grace, it's amazing what happens when it flows in and through us. Ephesians 1, uh, chapter 1, verses 6 and 7 um, outlines this a little bit more for us. Um, I'm jumping ahead. This is the problem. I'm looking for my note of where I was going to... Ephesians 1, 6 and 7 talks about this, about God lavishly blessing us he says this it brings praise to god because of his wonderful grace god gave that grace to us freely in christ the one he loves and in christ we're set free by the blood of his death and so we have forgiveness of sin how rich is god's grace wow what amazing concept when grace flows in there's another type of people that could be sitting here this morning that you may say, well, I don't really deserve God's grace. And there could be the other person that says, well, I kind of do deserve God's grace because I really live a life that's, 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 that's good. I'm telling you, compare yourself to the righteousness of Christ and then let's have a discussion. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't try to live our lives pleasing to God. Absolutely, that's what it's called. I mean, we have this love relationship with God. Why wouldn't we want to live a life that is pleasing to God? And besides, when we live our lives pleasing to God, that's when we discover, that's where, that's when true life begins to, to appear. That's when we, we begin to, to find what we're truly searching for. So, so, so the, the, the concept here is this. Grace is given to us by God, who is a holy God, a big God, a God that, that understands us, a God that loves us and desperately, understands how desperately we need His grace, and He fills us up with this. The second thing is this. Grace flows in, gratitude fills up. Right? How can you be a person that's always walking around with your head in the sand if grace is flowing through you? It's kind of an inconsistent picture, right? Grace is flowing through you. Your head should be so high because there's this sense of thankfulness that just exudes from you, right? 
You, 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 you begin to see. You begin to understand. You're overwhelmed by the presence of God. You're overwhelmed by His love. How can you not become a, an, a, an incredibly thankful person where you realize, hey man, the things that I have of God, I am so undeserving, undeserving, but yet God gives them to me. I am absolutely off the charts thankful. How can I be critical of another person? How can I be a person that's always looking at everything so negatively and so, you know, off the charts from from that perspective? If grace is flowing through me, there's got to be, there, it's like a cause and effect. How can this thankfulness not just rise up through in and through you to say, you know what, <laughs> man, grace, it's all about grace. It's all about God. This is about my my relationship with God and understanding kind of this byproduct that we have as grace comes in and fills us up. Here's the issue, though. As again, if we're not careful, we can get to this point where we, we lose sight. We become distracted. We become bought into the lies of Satan. By the way, a lot of times we pray, and we'll talk about making agreements with Satan. Have you heard us say that before? You've heard me pray that way. You've probably heard some other elders pray that way. You know, if we've made agreements, help us to, to, to cut those agreements off with Satan. Well, what does that mean? Does it mean, you know, we've agreed, we've signed a contract with him? You know, what does that mean? What that means is this. Anytime I entertain, anytime you entertain a thought that's not of God, that's a deception of Satan, that's a lie, you've made an agreement. It may not be something where you've got to go off and do something incredibly evil. It means simply like something like a thought runs across your mind like, I really don't matter. That's a lie. And when you entertain that deception, when you entertain any deception, when you entertain any lie that is not the truth, you have just made an agreement with Satan. And any time you make an agreement with Satan, that is plugged into you. And I'm suggesting that we need to be very careful and we need to examine the things that we think and rolls across our radar. Because here's the thought, here's the thing. When gratitude begins to fill us up... of if we're living a life where it's we become, you know, we're negative or we become, you know, and again, I get that we're human. I get that there's times that that happens. Yes, yes. But let's be honest, guys. Some of us get caught in this at times. That is nothing but a deception by Satan. And it's easy to lose sight of what's taking place. And we've made agreements with Satan where we've entertained lies. And now that deception is kind of in our brain. And it's kind of cementing, cementing itself in our brain. You need to be very careful. A couple things can happen here, and a couple things can lead to this. Number one, uh, we look at perspective versus circumstance, okay? A lot of times, our thankfulness can be based upon circumstance. And we have a false perspective of things. We'll say, well, you know, their reality, or their perspective becomes their reality, right? And if your reality is tainted, or your perspective is tainted, you're off. Okay, and that's where we've made agreements or whatever. But it can be based on a faulty circumstance. In Habakkuk chapter 3, I preached on this not too long ago. In Habakkuk chapter 3, in Habakkuk, the minor prophet, if you go back and you would look at that, that, that it's this very small book. In the first part of Habakkuk, he is a minor, he's a prophet and he is lamenting. Babylon, the, the Israel, the southern kingdom is getting taken over by Babylon. God told them, if you do not turn from your ways, I'm going to send, I'm going to send, uh, this is what's going to happen. You're going to be in captivity. You're going to be taken away in slavery for 400 some years. Okay? They didn't listen and then it began. Habakkuk stood at the onset of that and he began to, he saw it. 
He saw the enemy come in and starting to trash the joint. He saw what was happening and his heart was turned and disturbed and very, uh, very um, overwhelmed with what was taking place. He began to pray to God, God, where are you at? God, spare us. God, save us. God, you've got to do something. You've got to intervene. Okay? He looked at the situation and it was bleak. Okay? And given to that, that could have been, that circumstance could have been his reality, his perspective. But it's very interesting that when you read the rest of that book and you get over into chapter 3, Habakkuk's perception shifted. And his prayer shifted from God, deliver us, to a prayer of God, if this is what it's going to take to change us, bring it on. What happened? Did the Babylonians, did the Babylonians cease? Did God say, okay, I'm holding them back. I'm not going to allow them to take you over. You're not going to go into slavery. Is that what happened? When you read the story, that's not the story I read. The story that I read is that the Babylonians came over in three waves and took the people. Okay? The circumstance didn't change. Habakkuk's perception changed. And guys, the point of this is this. Your external doesn't have to change all the time for your gratitude and thankfulness to go up. When you sit around and you're waiting for all the external, all the circumstances to change in your life before you can give God thanks, you're buying into an agreement. You're buying into an agreement and you're deceived by Satan. Okay? Habakkuk said he, his perspective changed and it became, to the, it, it, again, it came to the point, God, if this is it, then you need to just let it happen. So guys, the first thing is this. You need to examine your agreements. The second thing we need to do is this. Just do it. Boy, Nike, Nike really coined that phrase a few years ago, right? Just do it. What does that mean? That means at times we need to stop and we need to just think and we need to dwell in the goodness of God and think about His grace. Think about the things that we're thankful for. And then we become thankful people. And not just sit on it, not just wait for someone to come around and, you know, that we can say, hey, I'm thankful for you or whatever, but we live it out. We take it, we live it out. I think that's when you can really tell when someone is thankful and someone is filled with this sense of gratitude that begins to come in and overflow is that, is that there is action on their part. They become overwhelmed with the presence of God. You become overwhelmed with who He is. And you can't contain it. You don't, you can't sit around and shut your mouth up about God. You're all about God. You love God. You're in love with your relationship with Jesus and you talk about it and you're a thankful person and people know. The third thing real quick is, again, is to, is to, um, is to keep things, watch your agreements, your perspective, watch your agreements and just do it. Practice it out. The third thing is this, and this completes the sentence here, is this. When the grace flows in, remember, that was our first point. When the grace flows in, the gratitude fills up and the generosity flows out. It can't be stopped. If you have a problem letting the generosity flow out, maybe you need to take a look at the gratitude. Has the gratitude filled up? Has the grace flowed in? Have you allowed the grace to flow in? Is it based upon your merits that you're going to receive the grace? Are you caught up in that agreement? Are you caught up in that lie? Are you caught up in the lie that you don't deserve it or that you do deserve it? Because either way, you're going to block the grace of God. When the grace flows in 
And the gratitude fills up. The generosity is going to flow out. The worship team is going to come back up right now and we're going to sing a song. And uh, we're going to take communion here in a moment. So I ask that you would just kind of prepare your hearts for that. But I want to close this particular moment here with with Luke chapter 7. And you don't have to turn there with me, but I want to share with you this very concept of what happens, just a story from the Scripture, of what happens when the grace flows in and the gra- or the gratitude, you know, the grace comes in, the gratitude fills us up, and, and generosity begins to just, just flow out of us. I want to share with you a quick example. In Luke 7, we have a very interesting story that took place. One that crossed all kinds of cultural taboos, okay? On this particular night, Jesus was dining with a Pharisee by the name of Simon, okay? And as they were dining, there was this woman that did not deserve the grace of God whatsoever. A woman who lived her life in utter sin. A prostitute. But Jesus had touched this woman. The grace of Jesus had delivered her from the life that she was living. This woman comes into the presence of Jesus at Simon's house, mind you, at dinner, where women were not allowed, you know, the, the, the view of women at that time uh, were, was looked upon very negatively. But she comes in a sinner and she comes in uninvited and she goes up and she kneels down at the feet of Jesus and she pours perfume on his feet and she begins to dry his feet with her hair Simon the Pharisee was absolutely incensed angered Mad, livid. How could anyone, you know, how could anyone do this? He was not upset about who, about what she was doing that ups, that, the, he's upset not only about what she's doing, but he's upset. Are you ready for this? He's upset because Jesus isn't upset. And Jesus being who he is, launches into this story okay Jesus being who he is launches into this story and he says he begins to talk about a couple individuals that were in great debt and kind of gave the you know the equation of who was this person was in debt more and this person was in debt a little bit less but nevertheless they were grossly in debt and these people were pardoned from their debts. And he basically asked the question, which one do you think was more grateful? And Jesus pointed out that this woman at his feet was absolutely overcome by the grace of God. You see what happens when it flows You see what happens with an individual that's transformed by the grace of God when their heart is filled with gratitude. You can't not, you can't not bow down in the presence of Jesus and give this incredible thanks to him because you've 
you've experienced it and you understand it and you've grabbed a hold of it. Guys, it's amazing what happens. If we can get back to that verse one more time, if you take us back to that, that, that verse, just a couple slides that says when the gratitude comes in, if you, can you take us back a couple slides? When the grace flows in, the gratitude fills up and the generosity flows out. Guys, has the grace of God just, is it overflowing? Are you, is it overflowing in your life? Have you ever stopped and just thought about it? You don't deserve it. But God says, I choose you. I choose you to have this. Do you decide to have it? Do you take it? Do you live in it? Do you submit to it? Do you sacrifice to it? Do you say, God, here's my life. God, here's my life. Because when that happens, when His grace comes comes barreling in, the thankfulness comes up and begins to spill all over and generosity comes out. I want to tell you something. If people, when, when someone brings up your name, and I, pray, I, get, uh, I we're human, I would love that when someone brought up my name, they would say, you know what, that's one of the most thankful persons I know. That's one of the most generous, and, and, and even though he may not have all these resources, that is one person that, that just can't stop, can't quit talking about God and his relationship with Jesus. Where his heart is huge. Where he loves people. And he loves others. I would love for some people to know me as someone that could say, I never really heard him gripe a lot. It's just something that he didn't do. He was always thankful. He was always thankful. Does that describe you? Maybe the better question I should ask is this. Would you like for that to, for that to be a description of you or not? Because some of us are well known for other things that aren't quite as good. Maybe, maybe if we would stop and say, I want to be known for someone that is just in love with Jesus and the generosity and the, and the thankfulness of him just overflows within my life. Not because I deserve it. And that's why it overflows is because I don't deserve it. I don't know where you're at here this morning. Here in a few moments, we're going to take communion. We're going to sing part of a song and we're going to take communion. You don't have to be a member of Element here, but you do have to be a member of God's family. How can you celebrate something that you're not, that you may not even be a part of? So you don't have to be a member here to take communion. That's between you and God. I'm not the judge of that. I don't know what your relationship with God is. And as I said before, it's not that I don't care. It's just I don't want that job. That's not up to me, man. That's God's business. But it's between you and God. Maybe you're a child of God sitting here this morning. And truth be known, you're really not thankful for a lot of things. You've got kind of this bent personality or whatever to you because there's a lot of things that you're just... You're, 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 you can become so irritated with. Why? Why? What trumps the grace of God? What trumps the grace of God in your life from just overflowing and saturating? Maybe this is a time where you need to spend a few moments for, with God in this, in this time, in this space as we sing, to just reconnect with God and say, God, I don't know what's going on, man. I don't, I don't know what, my heart is off. And I need you to just, would you clean it once again? Would you just clean it out? Would you just fill me up again? Would you just bless me right now and just let me... I don't deserve anything of you, but 
Would you let me experience your sweet forgiveness and your sweet grace right now so that you can come and just worship God in communion? And, and when we do communion, I'll give you some instruction because we'll, we're going to sing for a few moments and then we'll pass out the elements and then we'll do communion together. But we're going to do it this time, you know, we're going to do it with, with a sense of gratitude and a sense of, 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 of thankfulness of what God has, has done and God gives us and provides for us. And, and when we do communion together, it reminds us again of His sweet grace and His sweet love that we don't deserve. Hey guys, this is between you and God. This isn't between me and you, element and you, you and someone else. This is between you and God. Take a minute and spend a few moments with God as we stand right now. I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing. And then I'll have you sit and we'll do communion. We'll invite you in for communion. So why don't you stand with me? Spend a few moments in prayer if you need to as we sing. Do whatever you need to do to prepare your hearts for communion. Father, thank you. Thank you so much for who you are. We don't deserve a thing. We don't deserve a thing, yet you just lavishly bless us with your love and your saving grace. And it doesn't make sense, your unconditional love. And it doesn't make human sense. And that's why we celebrate. And so this morning, Father, you know our hearts right now. You know every single person's heart in here. You know where we're struggling. You know where we're celebrating. You know where we're off the path. You know where we're on the path. You know where we may be struggling with sin and not really confessing it. Or where we've struggled with sin and we've confessed it, but yet we have a hard time letting it go because we feel so guilty. Father, you know every single aspect about us. I pray right now that your spirit would find freedom in this room to enter and engage each and every one of us. Father, may you connect with each and every one of us here this morning. Let us, let us dine on the meal that you have for each of us specifically and uniquely. And I pray that Satan would not have any freedom in here right now. I pray distractions would be removed. I pray that you would clearly engage each and every one of our hearts. And Father, that we would anticipate that. And it's in the power of the name of Jesus Christ. His blood, his sacrifice, his gift, his work. That we're able to stand in your presence right now and pray to you in his name. Amen.